All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 65 of Sports Cards Live. Before we get into it, as usual, I want to thank last Saturday's guest, Amit Acharya. We did a day one expo recap, and man, that show was awesome. We had a great time. Thanks, everyone who came out and hung out with us. Thanks for all the deals. If you bought cards from me, they all shipped out yesterday and today. So thank you very much to everyone who did deals with me at the show. That was awesome. Hope to see you all again at the next one. Last Wednesday's guest was Tracy Hackler from Panini. Great episode. He took some tough questions and I want to thank him for joining me for that episode. Thanks again, Tracy. This coming Wednesday, joining me will be Brian, Brian Gray, Leafs CEO. Always fun having Brian on the show. Looking forward to that. Check it out. You won't want to miss it. And then next Saturday, joining me is former NHL goaltender Joe Daly, also LCS owner in Winnipeg. Can't wait to have Joe on the show with me. And I believe his son Travis will be joining as well. So looking forward to that later tonight when this is when this is over at about midnight tonight Eastern. I have with me Adam Gray on After Hours, the editor-in-chief of the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. Stick around if you're, if you're a night owl, and we'll, we'll be getting to that later on tonight. If you're new to the channel, welcome as always. Glad to have you. If you've not yet subscribed to Sports Cards Live on YouTube, please do so. I greatly appreciate it. Just past 1,500 subscribers. Really happy about that. That's a, that's a milestone. So thanks to everyone who has already subscribed. I want to shout out the podcast listeners. If you don't know, this show is on podcast. It's on all the podcast platforms. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, and all the other miscellaneous ones that are out there. So uh, I want to shout you guys out. I know you're listening, so thank you very much. And uh, hopefully you can watch live sometimes as well. I also want to mention our sponsor, The Big Three Sports Cards. Follow them on Instagram, The Big Three Hockey. It's in the ticker right now. These guys take high-end single sales to the next level. So check them out, please. I also want to mention at the end of the episode with tonight's guest, Ken Reed, we're going to do the Sports Cards Live 5 and the PC card of the day. So you will want to stick around for those. And as always, your questions and comments are in play. So do not be shy. And before we move on and bring out Ken, I want to also mention that the winner of the Sports Cards Live Invitational at the ComC Challenge at the Expo was Stefan Loeffler, who you can see his message on the screen. I know, Stefan, if you're watching... Reach out to me, get me your address, and I will send you the Sports Cards Live baseball hat, which I do not have handy to show, but it is awesome. Okay, tonight's guest. Let's get to him. He's the well-known co-anchor slash anchor of Sportsnet. He's witty. He's a hockey card addict. How do I know this? Well, let me read you something from his brand new book, One to Remember. Uh, this, is, this is sort of random. I'm going to read this out, all right? This is, these are his words. These are Ken's words. He says, when you look at the stats on the back of a hockey card, or you look up a player's numbers, you get the raw data. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm addicted to hockey cards. And I'm addicted to hockey stats. But there's always a little bit more to the story than just the numbers. And that really, in, a, in essence, is what this book is about. Let's bring him out. Originally from Pictou, Nova Scotia, now from Toronto, Ontario. Ken Reed, welcome to Sports Cards Live, episode number 65. How are you doing tonight, my man? Good, Jeremy. Nice intro, buddy. Thanks. And and yeah, you, as Dickie Dunn would say, you captured the spirit of the thing as far as the book goes. That's totally what it's about. Yeah, right right there, dude. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I read it cover to cover. and you, you sent this to me a few weeks ago, and uh, I've read it. And I can say that I couldn't put it down. And I'm, cool. not, just, I'm not just saying that. Like, 
I, I want to mention the first story in the book. Yeah. It's an attention grabber. It, it yeah. had me <laughs> like, whoa, because when you look at the table of contents, you recognize some of the names, but not all of them. Sure. Then you dig in and that first story, it grabbed me and mm -hmm. I kept going and uh, wow, great yeah. job. Thanks. That what I just read really is the essence of it. I know you love hockey cards. You don't, you don't, uh, you're, you're not shy about it. No. Nope. How, how, how have you, uh, how's the response been to the book so far? Pretty good so far. Uh, a lot of people are saying what you said. So that's very nice. Um, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the first story of the book was when I heard it, when the guy uh, who scored that goal uh, told me a story, John English, um, guy I never heard of before. Uh, you look him up on Hockey DB, it's three games played, a goal, three assists, four points. You're thinking, how come this guy didn't play more? And when he told me what happened, and I don't want to give it away, right? So I won't give it away. Let's just say it involves a lengthy stay in hospital. When he told me what happened, my jaw kind of dropped, and I was kind of going, how have I never heard this before? And how did this not get out to the media? And it's one of those stories when you hear it, you're kind of going, is this really true? Like, this sounds just nuts. And I ran into uh, Glenn Healy a few months later, and Glenn had played on that Kings team with John and he said, Oh yeah, man, that, that happened. So I was like, what? And he said, that was just the craziest thing. So yeah, we start with a bang from John English and reception of the book has been great. Um, I, Jeremy, I like to think, um, you know, I read Brian Burke's book. It's, it's fantastic. I got Kipper's book. Like those are big names, right? Um, they're rock star books. That's like going to see Motley Crue, going to see Kiss. My books are a little more niche. I'm kind of like the guy playing his folk music in the coffee shop. I'm glad you came out. Uh, those who like them seem to like them a lot. I love doing them. Uh, and yeah, it's an easy read. It's it's basically just me talking to guys. And that's kind of what comes across, right? Like it's, uh, if you have a beer in your hand, hopefully that you kind of feel like they have a beer in their hand too, or soda pop, whatever you're into. But yeah, it's, it's casual. I've never considered myself to be an author. I consider myself, I guess, to be a storyteller. And it's just telling stories, man. It's been fun. Well, and that that's how the book comes across. Like th there were times where I would be in within the the pages of a particular player's story and it kind of lot it was lost on me that hey, this is Ken Reed speaking. And then <laughs> you would you would be speaking in the first person again just, you know, just speaking to the to the reader yeah. and I would it would kind of be, "Oh, I could put your voice to the words and, yeah. and it, it it's it sounds like you." I thought it was really well done. Right. I, I I said I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um and uh, so, you know, we're talking about the first chapter of John English and how, yeah. you know, you're kind of beating around the bush what's in it. You don't want to give it all away, but it's worth, it's, it's a, it's a good read. And, you know, I don't read a lot of books anymore. And yeah. uh, no, no, that's, that's the thing. Nobody does, right? Like we're on these screens all the time, all the time. There's something to be said for sitting down with a book though, isn't there? Like, it's just, ah, oh, I find it really relaxing and uh, yeah. And I mean, people say that I do sound like this, and it's because writing for TV, when I talk to students, and, and writing for TV, believe it or not, is an art. Because when kids sit down, they're taking broadcasting, and they try to write for TV, they try to write very formally and make it sound as though they have written. I'm like, no, no, no. Say it and then write it. On TV, you should sound like you're speaking. And you sound like you're speaking when you speak, not when you try to write things down. So that's, I guess that's where the style comes from. I, If I'm writing something for TV, I just write it how I'd say it. It's uh, There's no thesauruses involved. Uh, if you're writing for broadcast copy, you don't use the word as, you don't use the word that. Like you and I would never say, Jeremy, 
Oh, it was great to be on your show tonight as we spoke about sports cards. It was nice being on your show tonight, man. We talked about hockey cards, so that's how yeah. I write. Same, same, same dealio, buddy. Yeah, well, it def it it really came through, and I I mean, I don't want I'm not here to I'm not here to sell your book, man. But uh, but you know what? It's like I I just enjoyed it, so I am gonna I am gonna help you out. I'm I'm gonna throw up on the ticker right now. Buy Ken's new book on Amazon. One to remember: stories of 39 members of the NHL's one goal club. And like I said in the intro. You know, we as sports fans, we as hockey card and sports card collectors, we see these cards, we collect them, we love them. There's something yeah. about cards we love. You're among, you're one among us, Ken. Thank you. But but when you turn the cards over, you see the stats, and there's so much more to these players, and they all have stories, and yeah. we we tend to forget about them and not even consider them for the most part. We don't even consider them as human. They're almost commodities to to us as collectors a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. But these are humans with stories. And your book is what your books, I should say, are one of the ways that you can actually feel connected to the players and get to know them a little bit, whether they're obscure, like some of the guys in this book, or some who are more well known, like the guys in your hockey card storybooks and uh, and other books that you've written. So, yeah, man, great stuff. It's uh, it's great to have you tonight. Let's get let's uh, see who we have joining us. tonight. let's say hello to the crowd and then we'll dive into some topics. So. Cool. Hockey Cards Official is very excited to hear Ken on this. Welcome to the show, Hockey Cards Official. Absolute. Mike, good to have you back again. Name is in the house. Name has done some work with you, Ken. Name, welcome to the show. He's looking forward hey, to name. doing it. What's up, buddy? Matt Chang, good evening to you. Paul C's in the house. Good evening. Paul Rondell's back again. Howdy, gang. Good to have you, Rondell. Hockey Hockey, looking forward to seeing Ken on there. No water down hobby talk on this show. That's right. That's right. B-Roy, welcome to the show. Yeah, this is, Ken, this is your second time on, on Sports Cards Live. Gosh, how long ago were you on the first time? I'd have to look to see. I should I should know this. I bet it had to be back in May or June, wasn't it? Uh, it was. I think it was pre-summer, right? Um, I'm, I'm scanning. Guessing. I'm scanning my list right here, and uh, it's, oh, there you are, June 10th, episode 18. Oh. This is 65. Wow, good for you, man. I love what you're doing here. This is great. This is fun, right? Like, this is, this is like, for, for card geeks like this, for like us, this is great. I, I love it. It's fantastic. It is fun. And, you know, as, as a card collector, a car cardboard nerd, as I call us, and, you know, geek, hey, we'll, we'll be all of those, all of the above. Exactly. Uh, this has become part of the hobby for me, and it's great. Charles in the house. Welcome to the show, Charles. Paul White. Hello, Terry Fortunes there. Uh, Ken, Terry's got probably 100 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. I know you've got a story wow. about your Wayne Gretzky rookie. This guy's got like 100 of them, he, and he Please. loves them. Rondell had enough turkey about a little ham. Here we go. Again, Ken can ham it up. Ken Reed is a staple in mine and my dad's household. Good to oh, hear Carl. Thank you. Thank you, Absolute, on 1,500 subscribers. Greatly appreciate that. Alex, man, I'm a TSN employee. I can't watch Sportsnet peeps. There you go. A little competition in the house. Yeah, that's okay. I used to work there. You can watch both networks. For sure. We're all friends. Best night of the week. Hello, Jeremy Pringle. Thank you, name. Much appreciated. Thank you, Charles. Rich in the house. Welcome, Chris West in the house. Welcome, Chris West. Tiger Jordan. This is the place to be hanging on SCL with Jeremy and Ken. Thanks for joining us, Tiger Jordan. As always, Joe Pearl in the house. Welcome, Joe. Cardboard Max. Hello to you. We got some people here with us, Ken, tonight. ACL Cardboard. First live viewing after finding your channel recently. Quality content. Thank you so much, ACL. Greatly appreciate that. Hope to keep you as a longtime viewer. Hockey, hockey, great promo for the book. I have to get it. Yeah, you do. I'm telling yeah. you guys, like I said, I, I'll can I'll start a lot of books. I'll yeah. get you know, 20, 30 pages in. I'll put them away and I'll never go back to them. Mm -hmm. 
I read it cover to cover. And I'm again, yeah. I'm not just I'm not blowing smoke. I cool. read it cover to cover. I like that. And you know what? It's look, I know who I am. I, I ain't changing the world here. I'm writing a it's a book that's fun to read, right? So yeah. hey, that's what it's about. It's a little distraction. So I'm thrilled you read it cover to cover. That's pretty cool. And look, it's not war and peace, right? It's not gonna take you 15 weeks to read it cover to cover either, right? So, you know, I'm a busy man. I got well, you got things to do. You're a busy man, Jeremy. So you can read this puppy cover to cover in about six, seven hours, I figured. Yeah, it, it didn't even take that long. It was it was a, it was it was an easy read, like you said. It was a, a nice easy read, nice typeface. Everything was great in it. Hockey, hockey says Ken Reed taking over the past generation of Roy McGregor and Scott McFarland telling the stories of the game. Oh, that's honored. A, that's good that's company. Thank great you. Great to have right there. J Rod says sitting down with a book puts me straight to sleep. Yeah, same here. J Rod puts me straight to sleep. But hey, this one, hey. Hey, hey, who wouldn't want to spend $21.95 for a sleeping pill, right? That's a lot cheaper than pharmaceuticals. <laughs> That's true. That is true. This one, uh, this one, hey, I, like I said, a hundred times, it was, it was a page turner. Chris West says, how many of the one goal players are friends? Are any mm -hmm. of them aware they are part of the same club? That's a good question. Why don't you speak to that, Ken? Uh, buddies of mine. Yeah, there's a few buddies of mine in here. And uh, Are they buddies with each other? uh that oh i see with each other yeah 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 there's guys in here who i'm sure have been teammates but no they're not it's not like an organization where they get together once a year and talk about their one goal um they they uh most of them didn't know how many guys were in the one goal club but yeah a few of them are buddies of mine i guess but uh there's uh there's some guys in who know of other guys but yeah it's not like a I guess the the club was started by me i guess i'm not in it but i <laughs> i guess i narrowed them all down in a way you're the administrator of the yeah. Facebook group, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. I I'm the guy that that grouped them all together, and most of them went, "Oh God, really?" And, but then I went, "No, man, that's cool. You scored a goal in the NHL. I did. I do anything to score a goal in the NHL." But what I also thought that was kind of cool because you and I may think that way, Jeremy, is uh, shitty players, road hockey stars, but these guys don't think that way, right? They're like, "Wish it was 500." Or it well, was and good. Let, let, or let's come back. Work. Let's let's come back to it a little bit later about how these guys feel about score having scored one and only one goal in the NHL. But let's come back to that. I want to I want to say hello to everybody and then we got some things. Ken Reed is an OG. Welcome to the Ortiz family. Great to have you. B Roy says I wish the backs of cards told more stories like they used to, mm -hmm. as do I. As do I. Enough of this congratulations stuff. Paul Whiting, looking forward to another good show. Thank you, Paul. Orvi Jason, welcome to the show. Good evening, gents. Displaced Blue Noser here too, Ken. There you go. Hey. Ocean. Long live the Pogue. Chris West says, remember to like the stream on YouTube. Ah, thanks, guys, for uh, for hitting the like button and uh, subscribing to the channel and all those things. I greatly appreciate it. Cardboard Max says, card geeks rule the world. Look at these prices. Good <laughs> point. Well said. True. Well said. Uh, who else? Cardboard Nostalgia. Billy's and those that came here from Maple Leafs Hot Takes. There you go. Mm -hmm. Mike says, don't forget to subscribe. I just said that. Thank you, Mike. And Thomas Newman with a little tip for the host. Thank you very much, Tom. Much appreciated. Those are awesome. The Big O Podcast says, Ken Reed is a man of the people. Great quality <laughs> and a gentleman. There you go. Davey, welcome to the show. Great to have you, my friend. Paul says, how many, if any, have a hockey card made of them? And before you do that, Com C. Barry says, pucks in deep. Pucks right in deep. Right on, welcome right on. Welcome to the show, Barry. So Ken, why don't you take uh, Paul's question here? Um, do you know? First of all, let's let's oh, expand, let's expand the question. Yeah. There's 39 stories in the book. Yeah, there's got to be more than 39 people who have ever scored one and only one goal in the NHL. Do you know how many there actually are? 
Yeah, my stats guy printed off the list for me off HockeyDB. There's around 350 guys, 350 to 400 guys uh, who have only scored one goal. Of course, during the season, that number will go up and then go down as guys get on the list and then move off the list when they score their second. But in the history of the NHL, about 6,500 guys have skated at least one game in the NHL. That's not counting goalies. And of the 6,500 skaters in NHL history, 1,500 of them never scored a goal. So 1,500 are at zero. So to get even one is a pretty special thing. So there's about 350 so of them in the club. And in this book, I'd say of the 39, I'd say probably 15, 20 have hockey cards. So you know how the card world works. But obviously, uh, the guys from the newer generation, they have a card. You go back to the guys in the original six, not happening. Guys in the 70s, no. Guys in the 80s, no. So if you're from the mid-90s on and you're in the book, you probably have a card, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, it, it's there's some, there's some really cool stuff in this book. Um, and, uh, you know, there's probably some ideas out of this book for some potential card company ideas, what, they, what, what yeah. Upper Deck could potentially do or Leaf or President's Choice could potentially do to uh, create cards for some guys. And I have an idea. Okay. I have an idea for, for, for an insert set that, that, uh, that comes out of your book. And it's not, it's, not one, it's not a one-goal club. It's not guys that only have one goal. It would be called Money on the Board. Okay. Gotcha. You, you know what I'm – why don't – I know what it is because I read the book. Why don't you explain to the viewers what money on the board means? And then I'll talk a little bit about, well, the idea will, will easily flow from there. But what does money on the board mean? So money on the board, say you're playing your old team, right? Say I get traded from Montreal to Toronto. Uh, you put money on the board for whoever scores the winning goal against your old team that night, right? So then the boys will throw up a number and it all adds up. So I'll say I'll put in 50 bucks. Jeremy, you're a big wheeler. So you say you'll put in 500. Say I score the game winner. I collect all the money at the end of the night and, Guys will do it if maybe they're playing against an old team. Maybe a coach is playing against a team that fired him. He'll put money on the board, so it kind of kind of goes around like that. That's a, that's a Coles Notes version, right? Yeah. So so that's what I was thinking. It'd be like a player gets traded, they score a goal, their first game against their old team. Mm-hmm. Money on the board. I, I could see that being you know just an insert set in one of upper deck sets or something like that. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. You know, and and now you're going to get maybe some great players in there, maybe some not so great players. I think you'd have a whole the whole uh, the whole gamut. But uh, there's one player in the book who who in his only goal he ever oh. scored, he won the money on the board, and it was a, it was a game winning goal. Yes, and it was his only goal. I don't know if you want me to. I don't want to give away the book, but uh, that, you, know, you can give that one away. That guy is also in a movie, correct? Am I correct when I say that? I'm just trying to go now. Who? Which guy was it? That was Kimby Daniels. Kimby Daniels, you're right. Now, Kimby Daniels, he's a guy that had a hockey card. He had a lot of them, right? He came yeah. out with the boom in 1990. I, I thought he was going to score a lot of goals. Like, I remember stacking up on his rookie cards. He thought he was, too. He's a guy that ripped his knee apart before, you know, things even got going. So that was that. Yeah. Played, yeah. played when he was 35. Really nice guy, too. I ended up uh, – playing on a team with him, believe it or not, at Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada a couple of years ago. Uh, the Swift Current Broncos had an alumni game from their, uh, from their Memorial Cup team, and uh, Kimby, was on, Kimby was on my team. He played defense. He was a really nice guy. He's two guys down from me in the room, so I said, Kimby, can I have your phone number? I need to talk to you about a book. So he was, he was cool. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. That's right. You, you were sitting next to him. You're like, hey, yeah. how did you get, you know, your phone yeah. isn't in your pocket when you're, uh, when you're yeah. suiting up. So. Just, just, just toweling off, right? So, yeah. you know, you got to keep your business. 
Right on, right on. Chris West says one goal wonders. Yeah, it's a book full of one goal wonders. And uh, name says Kimby's got him in his personal collection or in yeah, his collection. For yeah, sure, for sure. Name does. Yeah, for sure. Right on, right on name. All right, man. So, you know, I've got a few topics to discuss with you tonight. More general stuff. Um, you know, I want to talk about Alexis Lafreniere because his Young Guns rookie card just came out. And as we all know, he hasn't played a game in the NHL yet. Right. But he's obviously, you know, he's the he's the biggest young gun, the biggest rookie in Upper Deck Series 1, was just released like a week ago, and the community is going crazy for this card. Yep. It's already selling for like, 250 to 300 Canadian dollars, if not a bit more even. So, you know, Ken, you may have a little bit of insight into some of these, uh, some of these players, some of these young guys, you're rubbing shoulders with certain people that a lot of us don't. Sure. What do you know about Alexis Lafreniere? Is he, is he the best new prospect since Connor McDavid? Is, is he, do you feel that he'll be like a Connor McDavid? Where do you think he's going to fall? Well, I, I think he's the best guy to come around probably since, since uh matthews um i'll i'll uh help you out a little here because uh I, okay this is a uh, so, so you know we, we we text around for guys within the game so i was texting with a guy uh a high up executive in the quebec league and he's like yeah lafreniere real deal absolute real deal uh, hockey iq off the charts so i love smart hockey players right uh so he's like yeah real deal he's gonna be a number one, number one line guy in the, in the NHL. So, uh, what his potential is? Like, I mean, is he that generational McDavid, uh, Crosby type guy? Uh, I don't know if we want to go that far, which is kind of funny because those are the guys, the, the McDavid, the Ovechkin, the Crosby's, those are the guys whose rookie cards really get out of control, right? Really go way up there in value. So, I mean, for Lafreniere to come out at this value right now, I'm having flashbacks of 1990. Now, mind you, the Lindros ones were 15 bucks, and 15 bucks wasn't quite 200 bucks. But um, we know Score printed those things off as many as they could. So um, I think I think the timing for Lafreniere couldn't be any better for uh, for for Upper Deck or for the resurgence that we've seen in the hobby. It's it takes me right back to to the boom. I, it's like I'm 15 years old again, going through all this. And it's, as a guy who's been through it before, as I'm sure you have, you know, part of me is hesitant. Uh, but hockey wise, the kid's probably going to be the real deal. He's playing in the biggest media market in the world or in North America, at least. And uh, yeah, he's going to be a superstar. And if he lights it up on Broadway, um, it's going to be great because you know how hardcore collectors are in the New York area for any of their teams. So if this guy wins a cup, let's say he wins a cup one day with the New York Rangers, his rookie card's going to be insane. So it's, it's fun. It's fun to speculate. It's fun to have, have buzz and, and to have this, uh, kids, uh, rookie card coincide with this unexpected hobby boom. It's, it's the perfect storm. I think it's uh, I think it's a great thing. It is the perfect storm. I mean, you know, you said it. You said it's great for Upper Deck. It, it certainly is. I mean, the stuff is selling out. I was at uh, an yeah. LCS just like a couple of days ago, and they blew through their twenty-five cases in like five hours or something like yeah. that. They still yeah. haven't got a second a second uh, shipment yet. They're waiting for them. They don't even know what they're going to have to pay for this stuff. They're, yeah, you know, it's it's the wholesale uh, p- prices are going up. I was at my local card store last weekend. The guy can't believe it. Like he's just, he's, 
he's a guy he's my age, he's mid forties, and he was around for the first boom, and he's like, I, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think any of us can, to be honest. No, it, it's nuts. But you know, it's not just nuts for uh, for like Upper Deck Series One players like Lafreniere. It's going on for it's going on with all cards, all players that are noteworthy. Their cards have gone up in value like crazy in the last. I mean, it's been since the whole COVID thing started, but even in the last few months, like rookie cards of guys like Doug Gilmore and Al oh. McKinnis and these '80s guys, Mark Messier, Paul Coffey, Raymond Bork, their rookie cards, you know, in Whatever condition, whether it's a PSA eight or a nine, they have they have like doubled, tripled, quadrupled in value just in the last few months. So the, the concern, of course, is are they going to maintain this level of value or are they going to retract? And you don't have the answer. I don't have no. the answer. But I mean, I've got some theories. What, what do you think? Like, you know, you mentioned earlier that it reminds you a bit of what was going on in the early 90s when there was a car shop on every corner. Everybody you knew was collecting cards and, and their father was collecting them as well. Maybe their mother in, in many cases too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are similarities here, but you know, do you do you think like how do you think the values of the Hall of Famers, the true super, the true stars and superstars, uh, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, do you think that their car that there's the value that we are attributing to their cards right now as a hobby? is worthy of a long like maintaining for the foreseeable future uh, i i don't know but one thing i always wondered about this hobby was it's very it's it's very uh gretzky or or bust you know what i mean like it's you got to have a gordy howe a maurice richard a gretzky uh, and a bobby Orr, and then everything else is kind of in my opinion for a lot of years underpriced like yeah. A Gilbert Perot rookie wouldn't set you back that much. Like a second-year Gila Fleur doesn't set you back that much. So everybody, in in as far as hockey cards go, I always thought everybody needed the Gordy, the 51-52 Gordies and Rockets, the 79-80 um, Gretzky, and the 66 Orr. And other than that, I always thought everything was really affordable. Like, like and you know if you don't need it in mint condition you can get a marcel dion rookie without breaking the bank and marcel dion is he was a scoring machine so i think if the other cards come up a little that's probably good but it also has to do with demand right because i mean jeremy you know like how many marcel dion rookies would you see sold at a show not a ton but now if people can't afford you know the, the gretzky's or or whomever else maybe the maybe they'll want to buy those rookie cards and those ones will go up in value but as far as uh, the Gretzky one goes, I think it's been undervalued for years by Beckett. And I see in the latest Beckett, they had to have it at 2,500 as opposed to the 800 they had it at before, which is kind of more reasonable. I mean, you put a Gretzky in a PSA case, and even if it's a one, you're getting over a thousand bucks for it. So I think that pricing is more accurate. But I've always thought a lot of cards in this hobby were undervalued. And when I say a lot, I basically mean anyone other than, you know, Gretzky or the Rocket, Gordy Howe, maybe a couple other guys, maybe a Bobby Hall rookie. But Everything else, you know, it's it's affordable, which is a good thing. If those prices go up, good on people. If they don't, well, they're still affordable and collectible. But, uh, I, again, I always go back to collect what you want, uh, regardless of the value, whatever whatever floats your boat. But um, it's – I mean, uh, there's a market for 80s cards. Um, unopened boxes of Upper Deck here in Toronto are selling for $39, $40. Bucks, which, at, like, I'm talking 90 91 
like 90, 91 boxes of score selling. Like I, like, come on. Yeah. You, you, if you went to the expo two years ago, you couldn't give away a box of that for five bucks. Now people are selling for 15, 20 bucks, which blows my mind. And you know what? They should, because there are so many hall of fame rookies in those 9091 yeah. series, 91, 92 tons of like top, like amazing hall of famers in there that just totally. And, and they don't get any respect because there's so many of them out there's there. There's so many but, printed. But you know what I love about it is people aren't buying like a box in 1990 score right now during the pandemic to sit on it. They're buying it to open, right? They're home. They want to open it. They want to have a couple beer. Oh, my God, this card. I remember when I got this card as a kid. That's what's that's what's driving uh, 1990s wax, right? It's not like somebody suddenly woke up and goes, oh, my God, I got to – I got to go buy some boxes of 1990 Pro Set and stash them because I, I, I'm going to break the bank with that. No. So I think at a at a collecting hobby level, it's very pure that people are going out and doing that. And then there's the investment level with uh, like a Gretzky rookie, a Bobby Orr rookie that's going nuts right now. So there's, there's two types of things that are going on right now. And lots of people can engage in both sides of the hobby. I do. I like opening 1990s wax and laughing i got a box of upper deck upstairs out with my kid and i'll show him a player i said when i was a little guy I like this and then we'll open a new box and i'll say well maybe this guy will turn into that guy yeah. so you know it's a great way to educate people about the game it's a great way to to do the nostalgia trip which i think is what's what's been driving this uh insanity for the last six months or so you nailed it right there man i i I've, i always say that uh you know everything in the hobby is worth more now than it was at the beginning of 2020. And um, I think a lot of it is a, a lot of, you know, us collectors, we have this collector gene and at the foundation of collecting is nostalgia. That's what, yeah. that's what draw. That's what like, I think creates the, the, the collector gene. And, yeah. um, and that's yeah, what look, drives I mean, us. Look at all this stuff behind us. Right. Um, I'm sure the stuff behind you is probably reminding when you were a little kid and it, for me, it's, nostalgia there's black and white pictures there's tony esposito there's my montreal expos you know that's that's nostalgia that's what drives it and then people get sucked in by the nostalgia and then they realize geez i can maybe make a buck here on this you know maybe not break the bank but if you can flip a card that's a great thing and i i I get the question all the time now um what kind of collectors are there are they just hobbyists or just dealers and i say i think 80 percent of people are who collect are probably a hybrid of both right i think I consider myself a pure collector, but if you come up to me and I can flip this card and make a quick 2000 bucks, I'm going to do it. Right. I think, I think that most people are, are like that. Hey, I just bought my new Honda Civic for 9,000. Really? I'll give you 11 for it. Oh, but I really like the car. Okay. I'll give you 12 for it. Sold. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? The difference with cards is that lately you might say, okay, sure. I'll take 10 grand to, to I'll take 10 grand. I paid eight. But now if you want to go buy it again, you might have to pay 11. And if you're, if you're a collector yeah. that needs that in your collection, yeah. You know, yeah. it's tough to let things go right now because prices are moving so fast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. When you sell something now, you just got to let it go. And you let just got to say, I got the money in the hand. Uh, I sold a really nice Gretzky uh, rookie a couple of years ago, PSA 8. And that's gone up considerably. But at the time, I did really well. So yeah. what, do you, what do you do? Right? What do you do? You do. Yeah, it's true, man. It, it happens all the time to those of us that do buy and sell cards and collect at the same time. And, uh, but what I, you know, I sold some cards at the virtual expo in, in June that Gretzky rookies that, uh, yep. doubled in value since I sold them. Sure. 
the way I appease myself, the way I make myself feel better is I say, well, I took that money and I put it in something else, which has also done really well since then. Or I just use it to pay my household expenses. One of the two things, you, you know, we need money. So and, and, and yeah, if you're in the buying and selling game, you have to sell at some point, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's like my brother says, my, bro my brother's big into the stocks and I sold one. It's gone up recently. And I said, damn, he goes, when you sell it, move on. So, you know. Yeah. Spend, but but again, I mean, uh, I we had these Gretzky rookies in our houses for 25 years, and they didn't move all that much. So whatever. I'm just I'm just glad people are into it. Yeah, and and they are. I just want to point out oh, wrong hand that right there. That's a 9091 Upper Deck Series One, or not Series One, just Upper Deck with the high numbers box that I've had since 1991. Nice. And then over there, that's the second year, 91, 92, right there. Yeah, it's hard and, being a weatherman, isn't it? I always point yeah. to the wrong side as well. I no green screen here. That's the actual no. background. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how weathermen do it, man. How I've do they die? That's not my cup of tea. I don't know. But yeah, it, there's a great little store in Toronto here that opened Flip, and uh, they're just turning wax over and over and over and over, and it's just like this is wax that just couldn't move for years. It just couldn't move, and it's. Like, who would buy a box of 1991 Dunross baseball? They're selling. Like, that is, like, think about that. That is selling. A box of 91 score, 91, 92 score hockey is selling. Where in Toronto is Flip? Uh, it's on Davenport, about Davenport and Bathurst. It's a fun okay. little shop. Yeah, it's it's a fun little shop. And here in the, here in the beach, my end of town, uh, a store just opened, um, maybe a month ago, which is crazy, right? Opening a store during a pandemic, but it's sports cards. He's got uh, comics in there as well, but he's turning cards over like nuts. And, you know, the, the, the new upper deck sold out and they have to buy more. They can't find it. It's, it Man, it takes me right back to when I was working at a card store and OPG Premier came out. Oh, yeah. Like, holy love of God. It's, it was, it's just, it's like flashbacks. It's unbelievable. You touched on it just a second ago. It's unbelievable that of every, of all the businesses out there, the only, the, I won't say the only, but new, the new businesses that are flourishing right now and that are coming out of the woodwork are sports card and hobby type of uh, businesses, even getting into leases, doing bricks and mortar. Like, yeah, that's really, it's really unbelievable in 2020 that, that that is happening and people are opening up these sports card businesses like no. that that's a testament to what's that that's a testament to the resiliency of the hobby because when the when the pandemic started i remember in late march early april i was thinking to myself oh my gosh yeah these things are about to become worthless because people yep. are going to need money for food and shelter yep well the complete opposite happened and it's not just the complete opposite it's a complete opposite and then some but then a lot like it's it's actually exploded so the hobby is resilient and that's why when i you know we touched on a bit earlier about like how sustainable are these new values for 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 these cards? And I mean, it's like what what has to happen for sports cards to not be of value? Because you know, I can say to people, yeah. I just bought a card for a thousand dollars, and they'll say, I said to someone at work the other day, whatever the number was, I bought a card for a thousand bucks for a piece of cardboard. It's yeah. like I shake my head, like, yeah, a piece of yeah. cardboard. Okay, sure, a piece of cardboard, like like that, like from that box over there, from that order we just got in. No, it's it's a lot different, but what has to happen for these things not to be worth something? I don't know. I was like you, and uh, 
I thought, well, no one's going to have money to spend on cards. You know, that's disposable income. But I think during the pandemic, what happened was people's lives slowed down. They weren't running around all the time. And you had to find different ways to pass the time. You couldn't go out to movies. There was no games to watch. So how do you stay attached to sports when there's no sports? Well, cards. You read autographs, things like that. Um, what has to happen for the value not to be sustained on the modern stuff? I think that's just overproduction, right? That's the old, uh, that's what killed it in the nineties. Um, for the older stuff, I think, uh, people dropping out of the hobby again, that'll lower prices because the demand won't be there. So I think that's what would, uh, what it'll have to be. Um, and again, when a boom comes, the sharks, the shysters are going to come out. Uh, so buyer beware. And uh, just you got to know what you're getting into, especially if you're a newbie, right? Because uh, there's a lot of great people in the hobby, but there's not so not so great people out there as well, right? That's just the way it goes in any business where there's seemingly easy money to be made. But I think what would bring prices back down is maybe uh, people just getting back to their regular nine to five lives, not having the time to invest in the hobby like maybe they have right now. Uh, overproduction on current cards, which hopefully we don't see. And... Uh, you know, I, I, other than that, and and people dropping out just because you know maybe it was just a fad they did while they were they were bored at home during a pandemic. Yeah, all all you know plausible reasons and comments. And what I've been thinking to myself is a lot of the people who have recently come into the hobby because of the pandemic because they've had time on their hands and they're you know reconnecting with their youth. I think yeah. I think a percentage of them, and I don't know what percent that is, but a percentage of them are going to remain because they're going to have. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna have tapped into that nostalgic. Yeah, uh, I think so. Gene, it's, right? It, it's guys our age, man, that were crazy about it when they were 15 years old in 1990, and now they're dead discovered it. And it's it's blast. It's I love it. I love it. So I think most, I think 75 percent of people who came around back will probably stick around, and, and that's maybe not, that's very healthy. Maybe not in the diehard way, but they'll stick around. Um, I I can't wait. Like I'm. I'm so sick of computers. I'm so sick of looking at computers, ironically enough, as we sit here. Yeah. But I can't wait for my first real-life human card show, right? Like, I can't imagine if the expo would have happened. If they, like, it's going to be gong show. It's going to be like 1991 Anaheim National Levels from what I hear of it, which was a gong show. But it'll be interesting to see just how many people are going to come out to the next card show that we'll be able to go to. I think it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty wild. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of dealers who probably can't wait for it more than me too, because man, I, I can't imagine how much upper deck product would have been moving had the, had they, had, you know, had there been an actual physical expo there last week. It would have sold out very quickly. It, yeah. It would, it wouldn't even have lasted. I, you know, I remember back card shows of the early nineties, uh, wow. you know, in high school gymnasiums and you would be walking through and you couldn't see the dealer's tables because nope. they were three people deep all, you know, across all eight feet of that table frontage. You couldn't yep. even get in. I was a kid. I was, you know, I'm a tall guy. I was even tall back then. I still couldn't, you still couldn't even see through. Yeah, and, I, was, I was dealing. I was on the other side of the table. It was awesome, man. I was 15 years old walking out with a thousand bucks cash on a Saturday. My buddies are working, <laughs> my buddies are working at McDonald's. So I'm like, whatever. Yeah, so they, they didn't think cards were too geeky then when they saw that. That's a lot of money in the mid '80s for a oh. teenager. Oh yeah, oh yeah, mid '90s. Don't don't age me that much. My God, I know I don't look that good, but yeah, that that uh, that was a lot of coin back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. even then, 
I love it. Even that. I want to touch on one thing before we get to some more comments. So you were talking about, you know, the must-haves, the the Gordie Howe, Maurice Richard, Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, um, you know, Mario Lemieux, obviously yeah. one of the greatest of all time. But like to your point, up until recently, you could buy his car raw in fair condition for under hundred bucks. I know. Like to me, Mario Lemieux is a guy who's severely underpriced, right? Like uh, he has tripled. Guy. He has tripled in value in the last few months but he, well, is there, you under, there you is go there you go so under price now probably not it's just crazy i i went and I, I get contacted all the time on twitter or instagram you know people asking about cards and are you interested in buying them and a lot of the times it's just junk wax and if i was at a guy's place a couple of weeks ago and he had a couple of gretzky rookies and i said you know they'd be worth about this and he said okay thanks he didn't sell them the next day he sold them uh, along with the rest of his collection i wasn't interested in the rest and then, you know, the prices just keep going up. So, like, he did really well on them. I gave him a fair offer, but it's just madness now. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so, uh, like, I, I, if you, you can't, there's buyer's remorse. I think there's seller's remorse now, right? Oh, like, yeah. But, but as any good investor will tell you, sell into volume. So if people are lined up to buy, you should sell. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a good time to sell. Yeah, I I, I want to say it's a good time to sell, but I've been saying that for six months, and every time I say it, <laughs> it's also been a good time to buy. So yeah, there you go. There so you go. tough to say. I also want to point out Steve Eiserman's rookie card. Here's a guy who is you know an all timer, and his card has gone bonkers, like a PSA ten Opeachy rookie of his. You know, in March was eight fifty to nine hundred dollars US. Mm-hmm. Now it's like three thousand and up. So you know it's oh, we're, man, seeing, we're seeing we are seeing hockey get its get the respect it deserves. You know, especially yep. according to us Canadians who who consider it the sport. Yep. But uh, you know, when when you compare it to the other sports, it still pales in comparison to what's going on in basketball. Basketball, basketball is nuts. Basketball was ahead of this too, right? It was getting a little funky before the pandemic. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I mean. But it's so funny, you know, thinking back in the 80s, like, you wouldn't even think about buying a basketball. Hence 86 Flair, right? Nobody would Hence think of buying it. why there weren't any cards in the early 80s until 86 came out, right? There you go. Like, no, who would think of buying a box of basketball? So they didn't make that, that many. And ta-da, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, you know, and you said that uh, it was even ahead of the curve in terms of the pandemic. They had Zion, they had Zion Mania yeah. about a year ago, right. right now, and then yeah. and then the Kobe Bryant tragedy, which which renewed interest in his cards, and then the Michael Jordan documentary, along with the pandemic. It, it was just a the perfect storm, if you That's will. Wow. Of course, with the tragedy in there, and uh, and Zion. I mean, apparently the next LeBron James. So time will tell for sure. But he he's the guy is like a man of steel. He's a big guy, but it's like, again, who knows how good he's going to be, right? If ever, we don't know yet. Exactly. Exactly. It's a gamble. It's a fun gamble. The hobby, it's uh, right here. Joe makes the comedy. He says, The hobby was born on the feeling of the chase. Yeah. It's the feeling of the chase Uh, and the feeling of picking that player who's going to do, who's going to become something. Prospecting is huge in baseball cards. People love to prospect through the minor leagues. How many guys make it? I don't know what the, what the actual rate is. Is it one out of 50, one out of 100 guys that actually become worthy of collecting? I don't know. To Joe's point, we know what Lemmy from Motorhead said, the chase is better than the catch. I don't think he was talking about sports cards, but still. 
Yeah. You get the message. Good point. Good point. C. Eddie B says, good evening, gents. Eagerly awaiting for my copy of Ken's new book. Thank you. Yeah, as you should be, as you should be. Darcy, welcome to the show. Good buddy of mine. Hey, guys, hope you're all doing well. Jeremy, what's shaking? Hey, man, just hanging out with Ken Reed on a Saturday night and all you guys out there in uh, in YouTube and Facebook land, Twitter land as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, 90s Hockey, good evening, guys. Good evening to you. Hockey Hockey says, 1990-91 Upper Deck has top talent, less PA-10 Jager Upper Decks than Opeachy Premiers. That's an interesting point because the Opeachy Premier is the sort of the highest end rookie card from 9091. There might be an argument for Bowman or Topps Tiffany. I'm not sure, but I think it's Opeachy Premier. That's the card you want for those guys. But the fact that the that the population of the upper deck card is lower than the Opeachy Premier, we could see tides turning because population uh, is very important. What, what are your thoughts, Ken? I think what you said is right. Everybody wants the Premier, so that's the one they send in. I mean, I... I, I got a lot of the upper deck ones upstairs. I, I wouldn't think of sending one in, right? But you got a premier that looks good. You're going, okay, I'm going to send this in. But everyone's probably going, well, everyone else has the Yager, so why would I bother? And if it gets a nine, you know. And then, but, then what, but, but then what happens is people start saying, oh, well, the upper deck one is more valuable. I'm going to start buying that. And then that that incentivizes people to send theirs in. And then the population catches up. And then it I've goes, got a lot if anyone wants to buy them. <laughs> so I'm raw. Yeah, Re reach out to Ken Reed on Twitter, everybody, and you can buy yourself a 1990-91 Upper Deck Yaramir <laughs> Yager rookie. J-Rod has a question. He wants to know, what is the most iconic hockey card from the late 80s, early 90s? In baseball, for example, it's the 89 Ken Griffey Jr. from Upper Deck. That is a great question, J-Rod. Ken, do you have an opinion on this, something that comes to mind? Sure. I would say there is no equivalent because that card, that that. At Ken Griffey, that just rocked the hobby. That changed everything. Uh, so everything kind of followed that, including hockey cards became huge the next season when, when there was a few more companies. Uh, the equivalent in terms of the chase, as we heard from a few a few comments ago, would be the 90 score Lindros, I think. That would be the equivalent of that because that card was absolutely huge when it came out. It would still be huge if it wasn't printed off 24-7 like that. Um, there's so many of them. Uh, doesn't mean you still don't want it. I was at the National in Chicago a few years ago and came across a nickel box and it was all hockey. And I'm like anybody else. I love my nickel boxes. There's about there's about 25 Lindrosses in there, the rookies. I'm just cool. I, man, I got 25. You know, they used to be 15 bucks a piece. Guy's like, give me a box. I'm like, done. Four cents each. Yeah, take, them all. That's, take fun. them all. That's fun. So that was an that was the iconic card in terms of hockey cards for the junk wax era to me. It is. I, I think it. I, I would agree with that. It would be the iconic junk wax card. It, I'd like to be able to pick something from 9091. Back yeah. in the day, the Sergei Fedorov Young Guns would have given it a run for its money, as would Bure. have Pablo Bure a couple yep. of years ago, a couple of years later. Yep. And then after that, you really had nothing. But I would actually say, because the question is late 80s, early 90s, the biggest card in the late 80s uh, was the Red Hall. Yes, that's Brett exactly Hall where you're going. Does it have the spot on the pin? Because there were fakes out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I sold quite a few of those back in the day. Just again, buy them, sell them, buy them, sell them, buy them, sell them. That was, uh, that was, yeah, that was one hot card back in the day. Yeah, now exactly. you could argue that that card's maybe undervalued. Who knows? But probably not now. Yeah, I mean, a PSA ten before the pandemic was about seven fifty eight hundred dollars. Now I'm not sure. I haven't seen one for a while, but I got to think it's got to be double, triple that in terms of what one would sell for now by one of the big consignment sellers. So amazing. 
Crazy. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun question, J-Rod. Thanks for that one. Let's keep going see what else uh, people are saying. Uh, Hockey Hockey says, I find collecting hockey players in the present day, with the exception of Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, McDavid, to be really boring. I mean, that, that, and Hockey Hockey, that's, that's what you've decided, right? That's in your own head. And hey, like Ken says, collect what you like. We all say that. I've actually, my booth at the expo has been called collect what you like for several years. (laughs) So I'm a firm believer in that. But, uh, you know, there are other fun guys out there. You, you got you got a lot of fun. And, you know, it depends. If you're a Canucks fan, you're in collecting heaven right now because you've got an amazing team on, on the up and up here. The yep. Toronto Maple Leafs, as much as the rest of the world likes to hate on them, there's a lot of talent on that team and a lot of potential. So I think there's a lot of fun to have outside of those players. But when you're talking about the current guys and when you're talking to people who don't naturally collect hockey maybe the basketball guys the baseball guys and you're trying to let them know what it's like to collect hockey and what they are aware of is Ovechkin Crosby McDavid that's all they I don't say that's all they know but generally speaking that's who those guys go for but that's what helps to drive the price up right the if everyone wants it that's a good thing and yeah Look, like collect, like again. Well, I got a PSA ten, uh, Mike McPhee rookie. I might be the only guy in the world who wanted one desperately because he was my guy as a kid. He was one of my guys. He's a Nova Scotia guy. Collect what you want. So if some people find, look, there's parts of the hobby I find boring, right? There's parts of the hobby other people find boring. It's, that's For the nature, sure, of the, nature of the beast, baby. Yeah, no, no doubt. We've got Charles. Charles is uh, Charles has been on the show before. He's a 14 year old vintage hockey collector. So re- I'm gonna put up his has comment. He in, has he been in Beckett? I I'm not sure. Charles, let us know if you've been in I Beckett. I have heard of this kid. Maybe. But, but Ken, uh, let's just keep that in mind when I pull up this comment. He says, it's so hard to measure a card for how much it should be worth, especially with Chico Mackey, Harold Snaps, and Dennis DeJordi being so undervalued. I mean, Charles, very few people have even heard of Dennis DeJordi. Yeah, good goal. A goalie. few more have heard of Chico Mackey and a few more have heard of Harold Snap. So the fact that this 14-year-old is after these guys, but he goes on to say it's yeah. all about what the hobbyists want and what they don't want, and that changes a lot, which is a great point. Mm-hmm. And Charles, I don't know why, but when me and my buddies were Charles' age and a little younger, think of it, we're growing up in eastern Canada, we were obsessed with Harold Snaps, especially me and my buddy Chad Reed. I actually wrote to Harold Snaps. He sent me a picture, signed. Harold's in one of my books. He's in Hockey Card Stories too. He got airbrushed the Minnesota North Stars uniform on him. He was awesome to talk to. I was obsessed with Harold Snaps when I was Charles age. So that's funny. That is funny. Welcome, Charles. Uh, Chris West lets us know the people are chasing the Donruss elites from the I forget the year, but mid nineties. And yes, those are there's a lot of nineties stuff that people are chasing now. Of crazy, course, crazy, crazy. Yeah, crazy. it's great, right? It's great that nineties is having a resurgence. In basketball, it's had a resurgence for a long time. And I will say, there's been a niche group of people that have been collecting nineties hockey, rare, rare nineties hockey. Because if you think about it, it was mass produced pretty much the whole decade. But among that mass production were some really rare cards. And those are the cards that people are now going back to saying, Hey, there might've been 5,000 of these printed, but how many actually survived because they were being opened by kids everywhere and they weren't really respecting the condition of a lot of them. It's crazy. Like I, I I still can't fathom that that cards from the nineties are, are going like it's just like, I, I, it's like for years at shows we just kind of why is that on the table you know like yeah. <laughs> hey that's well, yeah what what is that 
what is that with that snazzy glare coming off it and all those colors yeah, and that, that like, weird pattern? Now yeah. that's what people want are those original designs. Well, you're like, buddy, that's been on your five, $5 table for the last 10 shows in a row. What? Hey, whatever. Should have bought it, I guess. Yeah. You know? <laughs> if, only, if only we could uh, look into the future. The yeah. big old podcast says the card boom has really popped over the last decade or so. What caused this sudden rise in sports cards again? The big O. That is a big question. That is a question we could do a whole episode about. But a lot of it has to do with what we were talking about earlier, the pandemic and people just getting back in touch, digging out, dig, going to their basements, digging out their old collections because they have time to kill and, you know, re reconnecting with that, with those early, the early days of collecting. And uh, Boom, that's it. That's absolutely it. Innocent that's times, it. right? When we all, yeah. when we were guys like my age, Ken's age, you know, people in their 40s, late 30s, even 30s, you know, you're, you're going back in time to when you were younger and it's just a, it's a, just a i don't know good memories you know it's and, and you know what that's that's a good point because who's making good memories in 2020 no one <laughs> so go back to when that's a good point so you go back so yeah it's more than nostalgia then right because nostalgia is good memories but maybe nostalgia is even more powerful when there's nothing really good going on in the present yeah good point good point holy yeah. smokes okay we've just transcended the rubicon together jeremy this i know man Holy smokes. It's a good thing we've got this documented. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. We figured it all out then. Yeah. All right. Show's over. Good, yeah. good night, everybody. Definitely all right. Let's see, what card let's see what Cardboard Max has to say. Fads repeat themselves every 20 to 30 years. Kids who experienced the boom in the 90s are now adults with expendable income. Well Correct. said, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nothing wrong with that at all. Joe Perot says, Ken is hilarious and smart. Joe, welcome uh, uh, again. And yes, Ken's a great guest. Charles says, coming from a kid going through this right now, I can agree this is mayhem. 80s rookies used to be hard to sell just a year ago. Now even guys like Andy Moog are 20 to $25. Yeah, and, you know, Charles, you know you're watching this stuff. Repin Rajon says, hey, Ken, big fan. Started going through your hockey card book, which I love, loved, and have started collecting all the cards from it, thanks to your stories, working on the Don Cherry airbrush card right now. See, that's a... Ken, that's pretty cool. You've you've actually inspired a, uh, a checklist for somebody. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, for some reason, Don Cherry's tie was airbrushed on a card. He has no idea why. I have no idea why. Somebody at Opeachy decided oh Don, Don Cherry's tie should have been red instead of blue. So who knows? And who knows? Look, the last guy who should be getting fashion advice is Don Cherry, the best dresser of all time, man. Of all time. Name says that Brian Trotche is a player whose rookie guard has been historically low, in my opinion. Completely agree with that oh, name. I picked one up, a couple up actually, not long ago. I, I'm if you want to talk about one of the nicest gentlemen you'll ever meet, Brian Trotje. Absolutely amazing guy. He's with us for Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. And every night he gets up on stage with David Ini from the Rio Statics, and Trots can play guitar and sing, man. He yeah. does he does the best versions of uh uh, uh, Working Man Blues by Merle Haggard. I've ever said, I've ever seen, and uh, he inspired me to learn how to sing it. So, Trotz is an absolute beauty. And, and I, uh, so I did this deal for Sportsnet. I'm doing hockey card history videos now, and uh, I'm going through a pack. So I opened a pack of '84, '85 on the uh, live on the air to tape, and I get Trotche. So Trotche, next guy, somebody, and then two guys after Trotche, I get Bellows, and I go Trotche and Bellows in the same pack, and. And afterwards, I go to my producer. I'm like, oh, my God, can you believe I got Trache and Bellows in the same pack? He's like, what do you mean? I go, the Trache Bellows video. You know what video I'm talking about, Jeremy, where Trache and Kevin Stevens are on the bench in the 91 final, and they're just trash-talking Bellows. 
oh, it's na it's nasty. So I go, you got to put it in the sound up of Trache Trash Talking Bellows. And we couldn't because there's not a clean word in the whole thing. No, oh, oh. too bad. Uh, I don't remember that, but I'll, I'll have to go YouTube dig into it. that. Yeah, go YouTube Trache Bellows. You'll love it. Right on, right on. Reppinger John says that he agrees. I find way less excitement from going to the mailbox and getting the cards. It's all about the chase. Yeah, I've talked about that before. I'll go through it really quickly, Ken. To me, the hobby is more than just about having a card sitting wherever you keep your cards. You know, you, they're, they're searching for the card. There's dealing for the card. There's actually acquiring it, maybe bidding for it on eBay, waiting a week for it to arrive, opening it up, then taking it home, whatever you're doing, and, you know, scanning it or putting it out, you know, sharing it with your friends on a hobby uh, platform, whatever it may be. There's so much more to it than just buying a card and putting it away. It, there's a process. And if you, if you can milk that process, you can really get more enjoyment out of the hobby and out of your cards. You get a story out of it, right? You get a story. Yeah. You get a story out of it. Yep. There you go. Stacking Slabs. Welcome. Says, great conversation. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Stacking Slabs. Check out the podcast by the same name. Chris Stacking West. Slabs podcast. I want to check that out. That's yeah, it. check it out. Check it out. Chris West says, invest in Palfi rookies. You heard it here first. Uh -huh. Palfi. So it's a, it's it's an inside joke, Ken. Inside joke. Uh, C. Eddie B says, price on Niagara Peachy Premier makes no sense to me. Raw $25 and so on. Because there's a big premium on graded cards. Big premium on graded cards, see, Eddie. ACL Cardboard says, don't forget the 90 score Lindros oh, baseball card. How can you forget it. that? Love How it. That, that card to me uh, epitomizes the insanity of the card boom, right? Mm -hmm. just, and the, Jor the Jordan um, baseball card. The Jordan baseball card. At least Jordan, yeah. Like it just, that's, yeah. that's all you need to know. Yep. Yeah. It was just crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. Colin Murray welcome says, Hey guys, you could buy 8889 OPG vending cases of Toys R Us. 8889 or 8990, Colin. I'm, I'm wondering if that was the SACIC year or the Brett Hall year. I think he means 9091. I remember those being in vending cases. I don't remember vending cases of 8889. I hope I there were. I think he means it, he may mean the 8990 with the blue top and bottom board yeah. with the Joe Sackick, Theo Fleury rookies. The most uh, produced hockey card set in the history of mankind. <laughs> the only year really where the tops rookies are worth more than the Opeaches, uh, being yep. the Joe Sackick, the Brian Leach, that stuff. Jeff yep. Gordon, welcome to the show. I wonder if it's that Jeff Gordon, different spelling. Says, bought the upper deck set with Lindros rookie for 12 bucks at my LCS 10 years ago, gave it away as a birthday gift to a hockey fan. Yeah, common, common story right there, Jeff. No doubt you're not alone in that. Reppin' Rajon says, I most certainly collect what you want. I'm probably the only Delonte West collector in the world. My wallet thanks me. Yeah, it's nice sure to collect an obscure player and you don't break the bank, right? Dude, dude, I love stacking up on uh, like Mike McPhee, Lowell McDonald. It's very affordable. <laughs> <laughs> Chris West also says 91 Donruss. There's something like one in 30, there are something like one in 30 boxes. Paul Whiting got the books in my cart. Ken, any ideas for future books? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I'm working with a player, ex-player right now, and we're thinking of doing a book together. Uh, it'll be, uh, how can I put this? It'll be not your traditional hockey book. It's quite a story, and it's something that we think will help a lot of people if we can do it, if we can pull it off. So I don't want to give any names because we haven't walked down the aisle together just yet, but it could be fun. It could be fun, but we haven't really started anything yet. So nothing crazy. It's funny, you know, during the pandemic, everyone's like, oh, you must get a lot of writing done. I'm like, no. I had a five-year-old and a seven-year-old running around the house. I write during the day when they're at school. So <laughs> nothing. I guess, 
I got some guesses as to who that may be, but I won't I won't throw them out there. Okay. Uh, let's, go, let's go through a couple more here. Uh, Charles says, I wish I was in Beckett, Ken. That's a dream of mine. And thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. You're welcome, Charles. Alex says, opinions on the Sackett cricket. I bought my PSA 10 OPG off. Jeremy, very happy with it. Tops is too expensive for my blood. Let me tell you one thing. Since you bought that card off me, it's like gone up in value 500%. So congratulations <laughs> to you. Enjoy it well. Enjoy it in good health. And I'm happy that it's landed in a good home. And I, I mean that sincerely. Good for you, Jeremy. I love this. Charles says, Harold Snepp's rookie, Don Lever rookie, Ron Lowe rookie, Keith Magnuson. <laughs> this kid's 14 years old, Ken. That's okay. Amazing. Dennis Marouk. All guys. So many more that are undervalued, although that makes it better for guys like me. It sure does. Look who's in the house. Doug Lothar's in the house. Welcome, Doug. Remember, Ken, coming to the Halifax show and setting up. Hope to see you both at the Spring Expo, as do we, Doug, as do we. God, I hope so. God, I hope so. Hockey Hockey says the best hockey cards made were the old AHL oh. cards from the 80s and 90s. Beauties, and beauties. Colin, Colin wants to clear it up and say the Brett Hall rookie year bought one set. Were, sets were six bucks. I mean, gosh, I don't remember $6.88, Opeachy sets, but man, I mean, that... I had a card shop in Winnipeg, Ken, from 91 to 94. Small, I was one of, you know, card shop in every corner. I was a guy on one of those corners. Yeah. And we had our big, uh, you know, sign, our curbside uh, sign, or curb X or whatever it was at the time, sitting out front to uh, to advertise. And we did, a, we did a draw to attract customers where it was for every $10 spent, you got one draw into the Brett Hall rookie card promotion and one person was going to win this Brett Hall rookie card that was the card that I used to promote the store and promote the business that's how hot it was and back then it was like a hundred dollars now it's probably cheaper that than that in raw condition sure. you know, depending on the condition but yeah. it can get a lot more expensive uh anonymous Facebook user welcome to the show it says Jarrett Culver is who I'm banking on limitless potential do you any do you see any sleepers in hockey pool party maybe I don't understand the pool party comment. Do you? No, I don't. No, me neither. <laughs> Ken, are you? Do you have any sleepers in this year's rookie class that are that, that are in the young guns? Anyone kind of you're like, hey, this kid has a shot. Nobody yet. I just find it in hockey, like the guy has for a rookie card to pay off. It's got to be the top stud, right? There's no like second tier almost. So it's almost like Lafreniere or bust. I mean, like Kale McCarr came along last year. I love Kale McCarr. He's an awesome player, but is he going to carry your collection for years to come? I don't know. Um, I think a guy's got to be generational in hockey, uh, it seems to me, for his rookie card to pay off. Even McKinnon's is shot up huge, but it took him a few years to get going, right, as far as hobby heat. Like, he was obviously popular when he came out, but, you know, so. You know, but that's a good point, Ken. When you say McKinnon took a few years to get going, and this is, this yeah. is a really, you know, kind of savvy type of comment is that, a lot of people, it, it, their patience is really short in terms of uh, giving players and cards a chance to develop into something that might be of value. But a lot of players, you know, they don't come out of junior or come out of the NHL entry draft, make the team and become generational right away. Unless your name is like a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby. Exactly. It's tough to do, man. And you got you to gotta remember, right? These guys are joining bad teams. Well, this year aside, mm -hmm. because of the, the lottery and the pandemic and the weird draft thing. But yeah, um, to to be to be Connor McDavid, to be Sidney Crosby, it's it's rare. Um, but those are the cards that kind of carry the modern hobby. And I mean, if a guy shows up and scores sixty points, is that going to set the hobby on fire? Probably not. 
So I, I, to me, it's Lafreniere bust so far. So but, far, sixty but, points. Sixty the, points is good for a rookie right now. It is. It is. But the smart people are the people that find the sleepers, right? I, and I think, uh, like you, you mentioned, baseball card and prospecting the baseball cards. Baseball cards are way more conducive to that, right? Because there's always going to be ten or nine or ten guys who kind of come on the rookie scene in baseball. In hockey, it's it's not always the case. And I mean, it's it's really rare for an eighteen year old to make an impact. So yeah, wait till Shane Wright comes up in a couple of years, right? That's going to be insanity. What's that? Wait till Shane Wright comes up in a few years. That's going to be insanity, right? He might play in the World Juniors if there's a tournament as a sixteen year old. So that'll that'll get everybody going. But but and that's why patience is important because some guys take longer to develop and to hit their stride. You might have to you might you can be loading up on one of these guys in this year's series one. I don't know which guy, pick a guy. But you might have to wait three, four, five seasons for them to to be to show flashes of the potential that that you would want them to have to make them say investment worthy. But there are guys, Ken, right. there are guys in this year's series in this year's young guns who are gonna be that. They will turn into okay. that. It's it's a numbers game. So I'll go back a couple of years. I love Rupe Hints from Dallas. Love them. I got a bunch of Rupe Hints cards. I got, I think I got a few of them up on Com C. And I'm still kind of waiting for him. And he showed some good signs in the playoffs. But still, is 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 what he's showing enough to get people interested? Does he look like a future Hall of Famer? Not yet. So that I think that's what you're gambling on if you're if you're looking to invest in a guy. You're not looking to invest in a guy who's going to be a very good second liner, right? As respectable as respectable as that is as a player in a profession. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hockey says, I remember how quickly the first McDonald's Upper Deck NHL cards sold out and they never really went up in value. I remember those well too. They're all the holograms. And no, they certainly did not. Uh, Those are cards that you give away as presents if anyone will even accept them at this this point in time. Uh, Here's an idea for you, Ken. Chris West proposes one to remember part two, the two-timers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. I could do it. Like, there's enough guys out there. I could definitely do another book on it, probably. And, but um, the, thing, the, thing, Ken, the thing that I would say is that it's it's almost like the title and the topic is second fiddle to the storytelling in the book. It's um, You just need an excuse to tell stories of these players in three, exactly four, three four pages each. That's exactly it. I'm a, I've always been a firm believer, and it's what inspired my books, Hockey Card Stories and Hockey Card Stories too. that there's no such thing as a common card because every player has a story. And cards tell stories. Like, where what, where was that picture taken? What, why are you pumping your fist? Did you just score a goal? And these, if your one goal, if you score one goal in the history of your NHL career, so was that goal the culmination of everything? Was it the launching pad for something else? Like, when I set out to do this book, I didn't think I was going to end up talking to a scientist talking to a neurosurgeon, talking to a guy who was in a movie with Paul Newman, talking to the most penalized player in pro hockey history, talking to a Hall of Fame goalie. These were all things I didn't expect to do, but they were all guys in this book. And let me let me point out on the, the, the professional penalty minutes record. If you guys want to find out who has the record that will be harder to break than Wayne Gretzky's all-time points record? Yeah. Read the book and find out who has the record for the most penalty minutes in professional hockey history. And it is a safe record, isn't it, the way the game is played now? Yeah. It's yeah. unsafe. Until and yeah. if it changes again, but yeah, for sure. Let's yeah. run through some comments here. Reppin Rajon says, hey, I heard on Dangle's show that you hate recording for Audible. Just know from someone who is on the road for 12 hours a day that I insanely appreciate you pushing through for me. 
on the new book. So there you go. Someone really Thank appreciated you. that from you, Ken. Yeah, recording an audio book is not a walk in the park. It's Colin Murray says everything is cheaper in the in Hamilton. I think he's referring to the 8880 Opeachy hockey. Oh, That's Paul, true. see, Pugliarvi is the pool uh, party. I get it. I get it. I get got it. it. Thank you for clarifying. Hey, that's uh, speaking of, speaking of patience, right? Jesse Pugliarvi, right? Speaking of patience, yeah. right? Go back and like, geez, that's that's patience. That's somebody who everyone, most people gave up on. I won't say everyone because you don't know. I don't know everybody, but most people gave up on that we're collecting. And now there could be a second chance for this guy to, to have good some point. hobby value. Yeah, good call, uh, call and check out Rookies. It's a store in Hamilton. Great store. Thank you. I'm there. He says, I'm there four days a week. Almost bought it last year. <laughs> Never mind visiting. I almost bought the place. Hockey Hockey says, why don't defensemen get much hobby love? Tying into the discussion we recently had on Kale McCarr. That's a great question. And I think Hockey Hockey, the main reason is it because defensemen typically are not the goal scorers. They're not the guys that appear on the score sheet. And in all sports, people want offensive producers. You want the home run hitters. You want the, the guys getting the points in basketball. You want the goal scorers. You want the... You want the uh, the quarterbacks that are throwing the touchdown. So I think that's really what it comes down to. And I've thought about to myself about this, that, you know, this year or last year's rookie class, you had Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, mm -hmm. two amazing to watch defensemen that have offensive uh, capabilities. So is this the year where the defensemen get a bit of a resurgence and maybe the hobby starts to accept them more as potential investable type of players? I, I think time will tell, but if it's going to happen, the 1920 season would hobby season would be the one to do it. Well, you're talking about patience, right? And I think Kale McCarr is awesome, but you're going to have to be patient, I think, to get value back on that. Uh, because, like you said, there's not a lot of the game is, isn't played like the way Paul Coffey played it anymore, right? Like defenseman Bobby Orr won a scoring title. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, a good defenseman now is a guy who gets you 15 to 15 goals and maybe 50 points, makes a good first pass. I do a highlight show five nights a week. Very rarely do we go, watch this exit pass out of the zone, right? Let's just yeah. have to make the highlights. And to what you're saying, Jeremy, um, the guys who score the goals are the guys who get the highlights are the guys who get the publicity. It's funny, you know, if you're going to put together a, a montage tape of Nicholas Lidstrom's best plays, I challenge you to do it because they just aren't there. He was just consistently great. He did everything perfectly. He never threw big hits. He just played perfect angles. His passes were great. First passes out of your zone don't tend to make the highlights. He didn't go coast to coast all the time. But over the course of his career, you can say, geez, you look back and you go, he was easily one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Look at his rookie cards, right? He came out at the wrong time as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, McCarr is a guy that's a fantastic player, but it's that, it's that electricity that we look for, right? It's the easy sell. It's the, it's the Crosby. It's the McDavid goals. It's the Ovechkin, right? It's that, that – that stuff that makes the highlight real. That's that's what people want. They want to buy the sizzle, right? You don't you don't necessarily want to buy what's under the iceberg. You want to buy what's on top of the water, right? What you see yeah. and what you see night night in night out of the big goals, the big highlights, or, or the big saves in case of, in case of goaltenders. Who's bringing you out of your seat, Riz? Is what it comes down to. I think that, that, that's yeah. something I'll sum it up right there. Well, Bedtime Productions with the nice uh, Opeachy stylistic uh, icon says Ken. Have you shared your uh, you have shared your love for 80s hockey cards? What about the 80s Opeachy stickers? Any interest in them? Oh god, I was addicted to those things too. Uh the, the bright foil Campbell Conference All-Star yes. You know yes. those. I know those. 
a two-part body when you get the sticker together. Oh, yeah. yeah. We kids went crazy for stickers back in the 80s. And I still have the sticker books somewhere upstairs and a couple back at my dad's place in Halifax. So they're still somewhere out there. Yeah, for sure. I, I collected them as a kid as well. Rod Jameson, welcome, says, speaking of patience or lack of it, I have some great Yakupov available. Good point. That's I don't think I'll ever... That's very patient. <laughs> Might have to be patient for a, a long time still. Name says another guy who needed a bit of patience was Leon Dreisaitl. I remember when he got sent back to the dub, which is the juniors, you could get his young guns for about five bucks or so for a little while. Yeah, I mean, now they're 150. Probably I haven't seen, but around there. Bless them breaks. Welcome to the show. Says at least in hockey, you have centers and wings. That cards are worth a lot. In football, it's only QBs. Yeah. And in hockey, we also have goaltenders. They they can command some great value too. Chris West says, exciting defenseman, get some hobby love, or Lidstrom Bork to name a few. And I mean, does Lid yeah, they Lidstrom get some. I think it's more because of the Red Wing collectors than being uh than being Nicholas Lidstrom. But I hear what you're saying, Chris, and I certainly like to advocate for defensemen getting more love because they sure. are they can be some of them are great. I mean, Miro Heiskinen to me was the best player in a lot of in the first half of the playoffs this year. He was a, a complete out of your seat guy yeah. control because I watch him. He played my Calgary Flames in the first right. round. So I watched every minute of that series and the guy got me out of my seat. He he, yeah. he controlled the game. He was amazing. It's interesting you say that. Like for me, Victor Hedman's the guy that does that. I saw it when when the World Cup of hockey was on here, I just watched Roman Yossi. I just I'm like I'm gonna key in on Roman. Oh my God, he was so good. But what made him so good, again, it's not the stuff that makes the highlights, right? If you're watching the game and you know what you're looking at, he's awesome. But uh, like I always say, sports matters when my mom calls and asks me about it. Uh, and mom knows who Crosby is. She knows who Ovechkin is. She knows who McDavid is. She doesn't know who Yossi is. Um, yeah. Those are the big, those are the guys that, that carry it. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Okay, so we've covered off uh, and great, great viewer interaction, guys. Thank you so much. Any more questions, pump them out there. We're going to wrap this up at about uh, the one and a half hour mark, maybe hour 40. So we got about 15 minutes uh, left and then, and then a little bit more potentially. Uh, Bless and Break says, when I was young, Brian Leach, rookie's got some love. Yeah, I remember that. That's the 8990 series. Uh, Paul says, I'd say Price, Carey Price, if he wins a cup, if he wins a cup, would blow up and his card has. Gone up in value recently. And then Darcy jumps in and says Zdeno Chara was good too. You know, Zdeno Chara is interesting because, number one, he's an absolute beast. He's yeah. had a career. Uh, his career has, like, been 25 years already. It's ridiculous. And his rookie card is super condition sensitive and almost impossible in PSA 10 type of condition. I don't know how many BGS 9.5s are out there, but I have a PSA 9, and I'm very pleased with it because – it's so tough. And it was it was like from that weird 94, 95 era where cards were the 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 junk wax had just sort of wound down. The card companies were trying to figure out what was next. Oh, was and it was kind of back to being more limited uh in, in those middle 90 years. So I, that's a to me, that's a great card. He's a guaranteed Hall of Famer. Oh, so yeah. it's an important card. He was at like that was mid-90s though. Some of the designs, I was just like when it got crazy, like 90, I was out of it. I was in college by 93, so I was taking a break. But I'd see stuff, and I'm like, God, can they just not be on cardboard anymore? Can they just not look like a hockey card? So I wasn't impressed with all that stuff. But, again, Charles, a guy, if you would have bought his rookie in 95, he would have been in your common box, right? You didn't yeah. – he didn't – like, good God. But that's a guy – again, patience. 
patience, patience, patience. It was all Damon Lankow, you know? <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're looking for Damon Lanko and Daniel Kachuk. Yeah, who, who yeah. Disappeared, Daniel right? Kachuk. Not even the right Kachuk spelling, but... Eight games, I think, with the Flames or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's about Rico Fata. I mean, that's who people were talking yeah. about then, right? Charles yeah. says, I'm starting to invest in top Sackett rookies, which I think is, a to me, I've said it before on the show, I think it's a great card. You know, his tops, Sackett's tops rookie, Ken, PSA, the population is like 1,100 total. I think there's 17 PSA 10s, which is a real, real slim gem rate, as the cool kids call it these days. Mm-hmm. Hockey Hockey says, with the pandemic, this is a great time for Ken to pitch a sports card show on Sportsnet. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've been thought... We got the videos on sportsnet.ca, so that's as close as we're getting right now. So check out the videos. I did uh, five of them up this month. Tim Hortons has come on as a sponsor, so. Oh. Cards are cooking. Yeah, cards are cooking. makes sense. Yeah. Great sense. All right. Uh, I like this. Rick Tabaracci was the rookie card I wanted most as a kid. He was hammering the guy on it. Remember on his upper deck, Tabaracci's just decking the guy behind the net. Maybe that's why. We call them itchy, scratchy Tabaracci back in Winnipeg in those days. Paul Cashman calls out Patrick Steffen from uh, 9900, I think, or something like that. First overall pick who really never cut it. I was there in Edmonton the night he missed the empty net. And Colin Murray calls out 1990s McDonald's stuff is rare and hot. I, and there, again, I, I find I keep on saying, I think Colin means, because back then it was the the rare, I believe it was the rarely inserted jersey cards and, and autographs that were like redemptions that were really, really uh Real rare and still, and patch cards as well that are still uh, chased heavily these days. Alexander Daig's another one that uh, Terry calls out that never quite turned into. Patience would not have paid off with Alexander Daig, who was a first overall pick for the Ottawa Senators. Sure was. Who went second that year? I was somebody much stronger, I believe. No, yes, no? nobody, nobody ever remembers number two. Pronger was two. Well, no, Pronger was in the. Yeah, it was. It was Pronger. Daig, Pronger. Somebody then Korea. Korea went four to Anaheim. So Pronger was right after Dag. Dag, Pronger, Mindfart, Korea. <laughs> Somebody Google it and type it in. We'll so complete bust, Hall of Famer, Mindfart, Hall of Famer. And, yep. then, and then, yeah, that's right. Jagger was picked fifth overall in his rookie year, I believe, in 1990. Yeah, that was 1990. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's, uh, Ken, let's jump in and do what I like to call the Sports Cards Live 5. There it is on the top of your screen. So we're going to bust off five questions, and you are going to answer them. You ready for this? Ready to go. All right. Question number one, Ken, what is your favorite card in your personal collection? Okay. It's this puppy right here. Uh, it's not in the best shape, but it it's my all-time favorite player. And it, like you said... You said earlier, it's not just about getting the card and having the card. It's the story that goes into the card. And it's my 7980 Wayne Gretzky rookie. And I know that doesn't shock a lot of people. That's my favorite card. It is not in great condition. Whoever had it before me, for some reason, put a marker piece on the Oilers. And I've had a few other Gretzky rookies in my day. I've bought and sold a few. But the reason I love this one, and I've always held on to it, um, when I was a kid, this was the this was the card you had to have. It was unattainable for me. It was like 250, 300 bucks. And when I was, you know, 13 years old, 14 years old, I didn't have that kind of cash on me. My mom came back from an auction in Westville and my mom was my biggest card supporter. She still is. Uh, and she, it was a shoebox of cards that you get for $10. And they were the blue ones as my brother and I called them. So we looked through and like, Oh my God, imagine if there's a Gretzky rookie in there. We start rifling through and oh, halfway through this comes out. We start freaking out. We're jumping up and down. 
And then 10 seconds later, we're like, oh, bang, bang. We just start scrapping. Like it's like it's like Semenko against Timmy Hunter because we both want the card. We're just just shots are landing and mom screams, No, no, you can share it, you can share it. And it was like in slap shot where the fight stops and they look down the ice at Ned Braden. It was like that. We looked at mom and we both kind of went, We can share it. So this card to this day, it has I have custody of it. It's in my house, but this card belongs to my brother Peter and I. And it reminds me of my brother, my mother, and my all-time favorite hockey player. So that is my favorite hockey card of all time. Not just the card, but the story that goes into it. Well, the story is great. The, the, I love coming to blows with your brother, but the card is certainly worthy of being the favorite card. And I yeah. believe it's still a card that everybody, uh, you know, collect what you like aside. You know, the Wayne Gretzky rookie card is a card that everybody, I believe, should have in their collection. It's the must have. And, and you know, it's so funny. And you just nailed it, too. And that's what drives the price of this thing. Because, you know, they're not in short supply, right? Oh. There's a lot of them. But if there's let's say a hundred card collectors in the world and there's still 90 Wayne Gretzky's then 10 of us are not going to have one and we all want one. So hence the value plus yeah. the freaking great one. So, you know, why not? I mean, come on. It's, he's like, he's iconic. He's an all time. Great. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Um, we have now got confirmation that Chris Gratton went number three. There you go. Big Pronger Gratton. Thank you. Com C Barry. Thank you, Rich. Pronger, Gratton, Korea, Rob Niedermeyer, Victor Kozlov, Jason Arnott. Picks in order after Dave. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of great players there that had wonderful type of types of careers. B and T S. Oh, I, I, we were doing sports cards live five. Hold on, get back to that. Ken, yeah. question number two. Yes. What is your what is the your highest priority want card right now? Uh that you will attain. Not what not a T206 Wagner or a I would say fifty-one, fifty-two. Uh, How Parkhurst? I'd love to have one. I've uh, come close a couple times. I have the Richard. I would uh, love the How off the top of my head. Worthy, worthy. Yeah. Where is your favorite place to buy cards? Uh, Sports Card Expo. Love it. Um, yeah. It's it's three glorious days that my wife lets me go to. Like she gives me the the pass for the weekend. Uh, I just love it. I love looking. And I love buying and I buy what makes me happy. And I don't buy things for the buzz. You know how people want the shopping addicts. They get that. I buy things that are going to continue to make me happy. Whether it's like a 74, 75 Steve shot with long sideburns or, or a really expensive card. And I just love walking around and just seeing people having a good time. And of course, when you go to it for as many years, I have meeting people and, you know, and, and uh, I sell a lot of, Books at those things, which is nice too. Uh, but yeah, my favorite place to buy cards is Sports Card Expo. So I've really missed it the last year and a half or whatever the heck it's been. I know it's been, it feels like that. Mine too, man. The Expo is my favorite place as well. Yeah. Question number four, Ken, if you could change one thing about the hobby, what would it be? Negativity. I think there's people, some people just like um, always look at the bad side of the hobby. I think you should look at the good side of the hobby. And uh, I would. Yeah, there's bad out there, but I'd much rather focus on the good out there. Um, yeah, so that's what I would change about it. Great answer, man. And question number five, what is your biggest hobby purchase or sale regret? It's funny. You mentioned the Steve Eiserman uh, rookie card. I remember selling those at the Highland Square Mall flea market for two bucks a piece. So that's one I'd like to take back. If I could, I would have held on to my Eisermans. Um, and like anybody else, you know. Like three, four years ago, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have just stacked up. You know, my brother and I looked at a, a 48 Leaf Jackie Robinson. We probably should have pulled the trigger on that. We didn't. Um, 
I mean, but the Eisermans are ones that stand out because that's when I was a kid, right? And and the first Beckett hockey came out, and I'm pretty sure if you look at it, the Eiserman might be was worth a few bucks, but I remember selling them, selling them two or three for two bucks each. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, hey, man, that was the market then, right? So, so be it. Yeah, yeah exactly. for sure. Exactly. For sure. All right. Well, thank you for taking part in the Sports Cards Live 5, man. Appreciate that. Before we do the PC card of the day, where I show a card that ties into my guest a little yeah. bit. We're going to go through a few more comments here. Uh, so B and T. Uh, buddy wanted to know, yeah, newer vintage? Yeah. Vintage. vintage yeah. Ken's I'm, a vintage guy. I'm not the biggest new card guy. I like going through them. It's more for my, my sons so he can see the, the guys he likes. So, yeah, vintage. Vintage. That, yeah. that, I could have answered that one for you. Yeah. Ziggy, no, welcome. Ziggy says, that's a great story. Love it with the brother. I can relate with four boys and a younger brother myself about the Gretzky. Charles says, same here. Ken, my Gretzky rookie is never leaving my side. When I got it when I was 12. <laughs> Best day of my life. It's two years ago, Charles. Things hey. keep, I'm just messing, buddy. I'm just messing. Two is a, a long time card. when you're 14, eh, Jeremy? Two is a long it, time when you're 14. It is. It yeah. is. Colin Murray remembers going to the car shop in the 80s. Gretzky's were $18. Yeah, that was the card number. It made sense, right? Wow. Wow. Terry Fortune says, great story on the great one, Ken. Coming from a Gretzky rookie card expert, Rob Jameson. I have the Gretzky rookie card I pulled as a kid. It's rough, but it's only been mine. That's really cool, man. Really cool. That's great. Colin says, always comes to my booth for a chat and buys a card or two. Sloth 55 is uh, Colin's booth at the uh, Sports Card Expo. You might recognize him from there yeah i i love just hanging out at the expo it's fun it's fun i'm, I'm like you know how i hate when guys pack up their table at like five o'clock like, there's another hour on the clock man yeah, but I, I, go, I, I, get it, I get it i get it i never man i'm there till the bitter end i milk it for every minute it's worth i want to be there right till the end because after that it's plane riding home so all right pc card of the day here's a point where i show a card from my personal collection that ties into my guest so i went through some 70s and 80s cards ken trying to find a card to share with you tonight and um and i thought whoa it would be cool if it was a player that was in the book well i found one i, I, oh, I found cool. one yeah yeah so i have here with me my 1973 opg billy smith rookie card beautiful Beautiful. That is just after he fought Phil Roberto because on the Phil Roberto card, he's fighting Billy Smith. And that is photo that, was taken. And that photo is was that taken. true? Yep. And that photo was taken right after the fight. So Billy's just getting his stuff together there after he fought Phil Roberto. Because that Phil Roberto card is pretty famous in hockey circles as being like the the fightiest card that we yeah, have, right? It is. It is the fightiest card that we have. Yeah. And like so to pair it with yeah. Sorry, to be able to pair it with this, I did not know that that's yeah. the story. Yeah. So when I interviewed Phil for my book on hockey card stories, he was in the first one because I wanted that card, right? And there the where Phil's fighting the guy. He's like, do you know who I'm fighting there? And I'm like, I think the numbers kind of scrunched up. I'm like, no, he's like, I'm fighting Billy Smith. I'm like, you're fighting the goalie? He's like, yeah. So then I talked to Billy about that rookie card a couple times. Um, we do uh, 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 heart and stroke tournaments together, Easter Seals tournaments together here in uh, the Ontario area. And he's like, yeah, that was, I said, you're fighting Phil Roberto on a card. He goes, yeah, and my rookie card, he, he's like, it was right after I fought Phil Roberto. So there you go. It's amazing. There, there's a free hockey card story for you, Jeremy. Yeah, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Story number Great four. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I want to acquire a Phil Roberto and it's not an, you know, it's a common for the most part. It's a common, the population okay. in terms of graded copies will be very low. I just, I just need one now to pair with this. So you do. I have the, it's funny. I, I got it few of them but they're 
like that's that's that is tough but uh yeah like i mean that's that's an iconic card so again goes back to no such thing as a common card right that phil roberto card is an absolute beautiful card i love it i love it i gotta get one should i show the back of the billy smith because i can put it on the screen and we can see actually what it said i'm, I'm going to share my screen here for a sec guys so check this out here's the back of the billy smith wow, look at that. That beautiful Look at the back. I mean, that is classic. That's what you want to see on a vintage sports card. I love this. Billy is a real battler for a goalie. No wonder he's, Billy, he's fighting Phil Roberto. He won't hesitate to act as a policeman in his crease, and he accumulated 42 minutes in the penalty box last season. I mean, most goalies might get two or four minutes a season from putting the puck over the glass. Yeah, exactly. So Billy was the first goalie to ever score a goal. Uh, he's in the book, and they actually commemorated it with a card in the 80-81 set. And uh, Billy's awesome, man. He doesn't do interviews anymore, but uh, I'm not going to say he did one with me because I'm Mr. Reporter. He did one with me because we hang out at golf tournaments and hockey tournaments together. And uh, he was great. Like, he doesn't really care that he scored a goal. He's very proud of his cup wins, his four straight cup wins. But the fact that he scored a goal, he's like, I just made a save and some guy shot it into an empty net for the other team. And he didn't even get credit for the goal immediately, and they changed it after the game. To a, to a Billy Smith goal. So, yeah, I, I love Billy Smith. And and uh, who's our buddy that's 14 out there that keeps chiming in? He Charles. Back. Charles, you obviously have a good taste for the old game, buddy. Go back and look at some Billy Smith video. Uh, most kids your age will not believe what a goal he used to do uh, with his stick, with his 58-pound cohort, like Billy did with his. One of the things I loved about the book, Ken, you just touched on it, was you know he didn't care that he scored a goal. And in the book... I mean, you got to think to yourself, all of us civilians out here who never had even aspirations, maybe we wanted to play, but we knew we never would. I mean, we think, what would it have been like to score in the NHL? We think that it would probably be our greatest story ever. Some of these guys, it was just like a normal day for them. They had other things in mind. Some of these guys, it wasn't their first career choice. Mm -hmm. It's That's what I loved about the book was you you got to feel like you got to know some people who played the game professionally, even if they only had one goal. Some of them played many games, only scored one goal. There's some goalies in here. It's interesting about just back to Billy Smith. He's the first guy to be credited with a goal, but somebody else is the first player to actually shoot the puck down the net as a goalie and put it in the net. Yeah, and I, have, and I couldn't have him in my book because he scored too many goals. Ron Hextall, right? Ron Hextall scored two goals, but he yeah. actually – put it in the net so did martin broder marty yeah. broder he also has more than one goal too many goals couldn't put him in the book but yeah I, I like that's what got me like going in to write this book i thought it was going to be sunshine lollipops i scored a goal in the nhls and it's the greatest thing ever and it wasn't and i was like how can it not be but then after talking to the guys i kind of see how it's not but yeah mm -hmm. jeremy going in i was I, I expressed those exact thoughts that you gave me it's like uh, it has to be the best moment of their hockey careers and for some guys it's not like yeah. no it wasn't i'm glad i i'm glad i didn't i wouldn't give it back i got a kick out of the guy in the book uh mike curlbutt he because a common question i had for a lot of the guys and i didn't put it in every story is what did you do with your puck and he's like that's eh, out in the backyard in the pond i was like what he goes yeah i was playing pond hockey and i needed a puck and we went in the garage and the only puck was the one i scored managed all goal with and I don't know. Lost it in the bull rushes. I was like, I'd have an excavator back there digging it up. He's like, eh, we looked for it for a little bit. But I'm like, what? So just be, like, we're dreamers, right? They're doers. So those who do 
the dream is often different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I also had that same response when I when I read that story. I thought, well, you know, I hear you. I like how he says, you know, it's back there somewhere. We just can't find it. You know, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be like the Simpsons when uh, Willie's digging digging in the hole. Remember at the well when groundskeeper Willie's? I'd be going nuts back there with a the shovel. But hey, I didn't yeah. score. So what do I know? No, man. There, there's a lot of stories in the book that are that are just uh, really interesting. So, I mean, again, I I don't feel like I need to sell your book. I don't. I don't. Sorry, I don't want to feel like I'm trying to or come across that I'm trying to sell your book for you because I. I like that but, you are. I well, like. That you are. It, hey, sure. if you read it and you thought it stunk, I'd like you to say the same thing. So. No, yeah. man. I read it, and like I've said before, I won't. I won't talk good about something unless I think it's good, and uh, I, I enjoyed it, man. I, like I said, I I read it and three nights and um yeah it, it was it was a page turner for me so let's run through some final comments here then we'll get some parting words we'll say good night everybody we will be coming back in about 28 minutes for after hours my guest will be adam gray he is the editor of the basketball card fanatic and the man behind the basketball card podcast one of the earliest uh, podcasts in the hobby so he's been on before great guests we're gonna have some great chatter it'll be another wonderful episode of after hours so come back shortly for that but we will wind down here with ken so let's get to that where were we here i'm gonna find the here we go charles says oh man the smith is gorgeous so hard to grade that year thank you charles appreciate that yes it's a nice card name says such a cool fact that is that's such a cool fact ken knows all the good info oh the phil roberto fight that's has to be yeah. talking about BNT says, couldn't quite see the grade on the Smith, Jeremy. That is a PSA 9 BNT. Roberto assisted on Jean Beliveau's 500th goal, says Colin Murray. That's a, true. That's a highlight right there. That is true. Me. That's uh, one of Phil's favorite all-time hockey moments for sure. Has to be. Has to be. Charles says, haha, Billy Smith liked to slash the legs a lot, and his cage was amazing. So he already knows about it. He's already watched the videos, Ken. Charles wants my job, I think, one day. Way to go, Charles. There I you hope go. Retire in ten years, Charles. So you'll be prime then, bud. <laughs> Paul C says Billy Smith. The reason I hate the Islanders, I'm an Oilers <laughs> fan, and he was free with a stick in the two final. Yeah, because the Islanders won like three cups leading up to and, and beat the Oilers in at least one or in at least one, maybe two of them. But then four, they beat the Oilers. Yeah. But then the baton passed the Oilers, and they won four in a row. I but three in a row, and then another oh, one. Yeah, crazy. Oh my, my math is bad. Eighty four, the Oilers won. Eighty three, they beat the Oilers. Sorry, my bad. Colin Murray went to a Leafs Islanders game in the late 70s. Sittler hits him in the face with a slap shot, mask going in the crowd, and they stitch him on the ice. <laughs> that is a story. That is a great story. Gary Suitcase Kurt has a great story too. Com C. Barry says, Who was the most recent interview of a player you did where you view that person more in awe? Uh, you try not to. Um, but I mean, when you interview Wayne Gretzky, it's kind of like, okay, I'm interviewing Wayne Gretzky. But uh, Bobby Orr walks in the studio, go, okay, I'm interviewing Bobby Orr. But it's funny uh, when the interview starts, it's kind of you're you're okay. Yeah. Uh, those guys know how to handle an interview too. They've yeah. done so many. They probably know how to set you as at ease as well. Do they not? They, they do, but they don't have to. Uh, but hockey guys are nice guys. But I'll I'll admit, man, when I get to interview Wayne Gretzky, I've interviewed him for a couple books. I've done a function with him and. You know, stuck a microphone in his face doing crumbs. It's always a big thrill, right? But but you get you put your work hat on too, and you got a job to do. But it's still a big thrill. I mean, right. I've got pictures of me interviewing Wayne Gretzky on the wall up here in my 
semi slash man cave slash children's play area. So <laughs> it's still cool to interview Wayne Gretzky. That, hey, man, if I did, I'd have a picture up as well. Paul C., good show again. Thank you, Paul. Jeremy Pringle, thank you so much. He thanks both of us, Ken. Absolute, thanks for a great show. Soon I will know something about hockey and then have more cards to buy. Mike, great to see you as always. Thank you, Name, great to have you. Charles says, that would be an honor, Ken. Great show tonight. Thank you, Charles. Hockey Hockey says, this has been my favorite episode of Sports Cards Live. I love the nostalgia of talking about old hockey cards. Thanks, guys. Show ending in time for the Tyson fight. Go Moose Heads, go. Thank you, okay. Hockey Hockey. Nice. Chris, Chris West says, so tempted to buy that Roberto card. It would just end up buried in a boxer binder. I'm going to get a graded copy one day, if not uh, one day soon, hopefully. So that's the end of the comments, guys. Any final comments, please throw them in there right away. Uh, I want to remind everybody we'll be back on Wednesday with Brian Gray, CEO of Leaf Trading Cards. And then a week today, Joe Daly, someone Ken would be familiar with, I got to think. Former NHL goaltender for the Detroit Red Wings, Pittsburgh Penguins, played for the Winnipeg Jets in the WHA, won Avco Cups, a personal friend of mine. He was one of my original LCSs in the mid to late 80s. So I can't wait to have Joe on. he's He's an awesome dude. That'll be fun. So make sure you check out all these upcoming episodes. A few more parting comments. Thank you, ACL. Great to have you. Rod Jamison wants to keep the books coming to Ken. B&T, thank you so much to you. Chris West, great to have you as always. And he saw a really nice Roberto on eBay. Looks super sharp, possibly trimmed. Well, probably will stay away then because I would want to get a slab to be able to put it nicely with my Billy Smith rookie. So, it would. Ken, pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks, when buddy. you have another book come out, whatever it is, you want to come back on, hit me, send I'll me an email. We'll have you back. I'd love to come back on. By the way, the first guy I ever called uh, for my hockey card stories book, because I was hesitant. Like, I'm like, well, well, guys really know about the cards. So the first guy I called was Joe Daly. And he oh. just picked up the phone. And we had an awesome chat. And I interviewed him about it's 76, 77 card. He's posing in front of the net. For some reason, he's got a perm while it was the 70s. And it's just a beautiful card. So please send Joe Daly my best. I don't know if he'll know who the hell I am, but I'm eternally grateful to him for starting me on this book journey. So it all goes back to Joe Daly. I will, man. I love, I love that little connection between the episode for letting me know. I will say hello to him for you. Thanks again for coming on. So a couple final comments, then we're going to end this broadcast. We'll be back in about 20 minutes, guys, with Adam Gray on the After Hours show. Thanks, everybody, for your interaction. It was awesome. If you could please hit that thumbs up, like button on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. I'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, Reppin' Rajon says, happy to deprive my sleep for you fine fellas. East Coaster, thank you, Reppin'. Thanks for joining us. As always, Reppin'. Duncachino, great to see you. Great show, guys. Thank you very much, Duncachino. Ken, parting thoughts from you, and then we're done. Collect what you want. I appreciate everyone's passion for the hobby. It's something I've been into for a long time. I had my break like most people did. And uh, now that I'm an old fart with uh, some disposable income, I'm thrilled to be back into it. And can't believe the wild ride we're on. But uh, don't do it for anybody else. Do it for yourself when you collect. Collect what you want. And if you can, you can always buy the book too. There you go. There you go, man. All right, Ken. Thanks so much. We'll see And we'll see you at the next expo. We'll see everybody else there too. Ken, hang on one second, everybody else. Good night. If we don't see you in after hours, if not, we'll see you guys again very soon. Thanks for joining tonight and uh, goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.